discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You are welcome to tonight's service once again. It's a blessing to always be with you, to share the word of God with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want us to start with a quick word of prayer. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit who is here with us, teaching us, guiding us, inspiring us through your word. Thank you for the ministry of your word as well. That is acting on us. Thank you that your word has great influence over our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, that we respond to your word, and your word has complete dominion over our lives, even in Jesus' mighty name. We receive your word with meekness, with gladness, and with faith, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? I'm still sharing concerning giving to God. I think this is the fourth message I'm sharing on it, isn't it? Giving to God. Last Sunday, we had a very wonderful time. We had a very beautiful talk show, and uh, I showed you a video. I'm going to show you that video again this, this evening, you know, but I want to share some more with you concerning giving to God, giving to God. God's word must have an influence over you and I. You know, I mentioned the last time, I think the fifth point I mentioned was that giving is an expression of how much subjected you are to the word of God, if you remember. Yeah, subjected you out to the gospel. The gospel must have dominion over your life. It must have control over your life. You must be able to respond to it. Do you see? If you read in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, let's look at it. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 1. It says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. If you read the Amplified, let's look at the Amplified. It says, Furthermore, brethren, do pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed on, spread rapidly, that is the gospel, and run its course and be glorified, extolled, and triumph even as it has done with you. The word of God must triumph with you. The gospel must triumph, be extolled with you. It must be glorified in your life. It must have so much influence. The Bible says that in the city of Ephesus, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Acts chapter 19, verse 20. The word of God must prevail over your soul. That is why he says that, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In other words, let it have complete dominion over you. When it talks to you, you respond. When it talks to you, your response is in the affirmative, not in the opposite. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, so I remember the very first day I started sharing, I think about two weeks ago on Sunday, I mentioned that there were different levels of giving. And I mentioned that in order of priority, the first was given to God. And the second was given to his servants. 
A third was given to your parents. And the fourth is given to the poor. God expects us to give to all these people. To him, to his men, to... And his men include his children. The Bible says to do good to those who have the household of faith. is important. Okay? You see, such giving is well-pleasing to God. So we must do that. Then, it goes to your parents. The Bible says to honor your father and your mother. You must give to your parents. It's very important. There are some blessings you will never get by sowing in the house of God that you only get by giving to your parents. If you honor them, he says that your life will be elongated. You will have long life. That's the truth. So you must honor your parents. You must buy some foodstuffs. Take it to them. Fill their kitchen so they can eat without thinking about certain things. They took care of you. You must take care of them. Under no circumstance should you say that your mother is a witch so you won't give to her. I mean, there's something wrong with your brain. If she, was, if she was a witch, at least you use her witchcraft to take care of you. So now you to use your Christianity to take care of her. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there are different levels of giving. And uh, we are mainly addressing the very first one, which is giving to God. And there's so much to say on it. There's so much to say on it. I remember mentioning that when it comes to giving to God, there are two types of giving that are expressed in the Word of God. The first one is tithes. And the second one is offerings. If you read in Malachi chapter 3, from verse 8. Look at Malachi 3 from verse 8. He says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you see, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So these two are the main things. Tithes and offerings. Okay? And I said we are not talking about tithes. We are talking about offerings. And even in the offerings, there are two types of offerings. There are free will offerings. And there are offerings that God demands from you. That is demanded offering. Or offerings that God instructs you to give. And that has to do with seeds. That has to do with your sacrifice. What you give to God as a seed for the purpose of advancing his kingdom. All these things are that when we say give to God, giving to God has to do with advancing his kingdom. It's not the same as giving to his servant. It's different. Giving to God has to do with advancing his kingdom. Sponsoring his kingdom. Sponsoring his Expressing his righteousness in your environment. Do you see? Using your money to push for the gospel to go forward. Okay. So all these, the fights are for his house, for his house to move on. The offerings are for his kingdom to move on. It's all for that. But then there are special offerings that he calls for. You know, so I want to address the offering aspect briefly for you today. Okay. So I mentioned that there are two types of offerings. The first one is what? The free will offering. Also for the purpose of advancing his kingdom. And the second one is offerings demanded by God or offerings instructed by God, which is your seed, which we are talking about actually in, this, in these meetings. Hallelujah. But I want to explain a little bit concerning free will offering because sometimes people don't understand what free will offerings are. Do you see? People show up in the house of God without offerings, without free will offerings. So they come to church online, physically, and they go home like that. They come empty-handed and go home like that. It's not supposed to be like that. Because the scriptures show us to not appear empty-handed. So in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16, I want to show you about the free will offering before I talk about the demanded offering. Deuteronomy 16, 16. It says, three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, which is the church. Okay. In the Feast of Unliving, for instance, God chose a place where you give your offering. You, don't, you can't give your offering in any other place. 
apart from his house. So giving to the poor is different from giving to God. They are not the same. <laughs> Who secures your life? Who secures your breath? Who should you honor? If you don't have breath, will you be able to provide for the poor? A lot of people have, have elevated giving to the poor over giving to God to their own detriment. It's not supposed to be like that. Giving to the poor is very important, but it cannot be compared to giving to God. Jesus said that the poor you shall always have with you, but me you will not have all the time. The time for, for you to honor me will not be there forever. You see, so the poor are there. What I'm saying is in John chapter 12, you can look at it for yourself. Okay? There's a time to give to the poor. There's nothing wrong with that. But you give to God first. It's in order of priority. So he says, three times in a year shall thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of unliving bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles. Three feasts. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty. They shall not appear before the Lord what? Empty. Don't come to God empty. Look at the next verse, verse 17. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he has given thee. Every man shall give as he, has, he is able. This is your free will offering, as he is able. Not demanded, as he is able. According to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he has given thee. Do you see? So he says, appear before me, but don't appear before me empty. Don't come empty. Come with a seed. Come with an offering. As the Lord has blessed you. Whatever it is, come with that. And if you are smart and you decide to watch your offering, okay, your free will offering, if you decide to look at it and decide to increase in it, you'll be surprised at how, well, how much you'll be increasing over the years. For instance, the free will offering should be calculated. You should know what you are giving in a month. I mean, giving to God is like giving doing an investment. Why would you do an investment and not know what you have put in there? If I ask you about investments, you will know exactly what is in there. Do you see? You shouldn't be disorganized and haphazard when it comes to your giving. You should know what you have given to God so that you can know what to expect from God. So if you are going to be giving 50 CDs per service, every service, it's calculated. You know that every service I'm giving 50 CDs. And you give that for some time. As you're consistent with that, so don't let your offering be fluctuating. You decide what to give to God when you show up, or when they talk about offering, free will, as they are talking about, okay, let's see, you know, one guy had 50 CDs and 5 CDs. thought the 5 CDs was inside the 50 CDs in his pocket, but the 50 CDs was, it's a chain place, the 50 CDs was inside the 5 CDs, so he sorted the money out in his pocket and took the one in the middle, not knowing it was a 50, and then he dropped it. When he dropped it, he realized what he had done. Do you know what he said? He said, oh, shit. <laughs> That's what he said. Excuse me to say. Right in the church. And people heard him. There are those who give offerings and go and look for change. It's not supposed to be like that. Prepare before you come. Don't come and give something there and then. As they, they say, oh, let's give offering. Then you start thinking, oh, okay, let me see. Maybe I have some one city. No. He says, don't come empty. In other words, prepare before you come. Please, you understand. Prepare before you come. Know what you are giving God on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night. That should be done all the time. Don't come empty. And look at Psalm 92, Psalm 96 rather from verse 7. Psalm 96 from verse 7. It says, give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. 
Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Then he says, bring an offering and come into his courts. Bring an offering and come into his courts. This is free will offering. Bring an offering. Come with your offering. In other words, prepare your offering before you come. Do you understand? Prepare it. Always is your worship towards is your worship and your appreciation to God. You're thanking God. Paul said everybody should reserve. First Corinthians chapter 16 from verse 1. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, 1. I don't know if you like what I'm telling you now. Yeah. Now, concerning the collection for the saints or the contribution for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, which was their meeting day, Sunday morning. Let every one of you lay by him in store, as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So he's expecting you to give. If you read in Matthew, Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus spoke about the fact that when you come to the altar with your offering, and you have something against your brother, leave your offering there, and go and reconcile with your brother. You see, Jesus, also, Jesus knew about this, and he was talking, he spoke about the fact that when you're coming to God, you must come with an offering. So your free will offerings must be packaged properly. You must come with a certain mindset to come and give. That's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. It says, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, he's expecting you to bring your gift to the altar every time you come. You see, he's expecting you to come to the altar with a gift all the time. Praise the Lord. So always remember that. The free will offerings are very important to God. It's for the purpose of advancing his kingdom as well. And you are, it's a sacrifice that you are giving to God. It's an offering that you are giving to God every time that you appear before the Lord. It says, as you come, don't come empty. Don't come empty. In other words, he's expecting you to prepare yourself before you come. Don't make the decision there and then. Whilst you're sitting there, then you check, okay, now I have two CDs on me. I have one CD on me. If you are going to be giving two CDs, be consistent in it. Yeah. Then with time, increase it to five CDs. Be consistent with it. Then with time, increase it to 10 CDs. I remember how I was giving one CD some years ago. Now I'm not giving one CD per service. There's, there's, a, there's an amount I give per service. I used to give 50 CDs per service. That changed a long time ago. A man of God that I know calculates his offering for the month. You see, because sometimes you miss uh, Sunday service in his church. He has to be in another place. So he'll give there, but then he has to give in his church as well. So he will store everything up and come and give in his church. That's what he does. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Always remember to give your fuel offering all the time. Always come with something. Don't come empty. Okay? All right. Then the next one is the offering demanded by God. The offering demanded by God. This is different from the free will offering or the offering that you give as the Lord has blessed you. This one, the Lord makes a demand. The Lord tells you what he wants. God tells you what he wants. God, so if you, if you remember, if you come into the temple, there were offerings that were of the size of a bullock, of the size of a, of a lamb, of the size of a, of a turtle dove. Okay, there were demands that God placed on different groups of people. That's why we place demands on all of us at different levels. But if you read Exodus chapter 35, Exodus 35 from verse 4, you see some of these things that I want to show you very nicely in the scriptures. It says, And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded. Saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded. Do you understand commanded? It means God gave instructions concerning this particular thing that I'm going to say. Next verse. 
saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord. Then he starts showing you what he wants. Gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine lining and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badges' skins and shitting wood and oil for the light and spices for anointing oil and for the sweet incense and onyx stones and stones to be set for the effort and for the breastplate. Verse 10. And every wise hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Have you seen it? So he tells them what he wants. He didn't say, bring me cow. There was no mention of a cow. There was no mention of a sheep. There was no mention of any of those things. He says, I want gold. I want silver. I want onyx stones. I want purple. I want blue. I want goat's hair. I want scarlet. This is what I want. He shows you what he wants. And he says, if you are willing, if you have a willing heart, come with it. Bring it. He says, take it from God's children. That's what he says. So he demands it. He says, and everyone who is wise-hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Make everything ready and do what he wants done. So God always demands. He does. He does. He makes demands. He lays demands on his children for the purpose of advancing his kingdom at different times in their life. So what we are doing now is not something that just started two days ago. No. It's been in the Bible for a very long time. God makes a demand. I don't know if you have a neighbor around you. Tell a neighbor, God makes a demand. God makes a demand. For offerings. For offerings. Yeah. Okay, and it's a sacrifice. So God makes a demand, and you have to sacrifice what you have. He says, I want gold. So if you have gold, what do you do? You give it to God. You forgo it. Probably we're planning to use that gold as your necklace, as your earrings, as your wedding ring, as what? As you have, as what? You have iPhone 2. <laughs> and God says, I want that one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. Look at Haggai. Haggai chapter 1 from verse 1. God always tells you what he wants. He doesn't leave this one to what you think. The first one, what you want to give to God. Free will offering. You give it to the Lord. He says, don't come empty. Give according as God has blessed you. Give. But when it comes to this, it says, I want this. I want gold. I want silver. I want precious stones. I want scarlet. I want goat's hair. Okay, so Haggai chapter 1 from verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Sheetel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. He says, The people are saying that the time for my house to be built has not yet come. Next verse. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? And this house lies waste, or my house lies waste. Is it time for you to dwell in sealed houses? And my house lies waste. So God is talking. Can you imagine? God is talking. Like, how? what are people talking about? That is not yet time for my house to be built. But it is time for yours to be built. What are you talking about? Next verse. Then he says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Like, look to yourself. 
You have sown much and bring, in, and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag of holes, with holes. That's here a lot of holes. Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains. He starts making demands. Go up to the mountain and bring wood. And build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. He says, go to the mountains, and bring wood, and build me my house. You see, the wood that you are going to bring from the mountain can be used to build your own house. He says, when you go and bring it, don't use to build your house, use it to build mine. So God is laying demands, he's showing them what he wants. I want wood. I want this one. Go and bring it and come and build me my house. Consider your ways. You are any money, you are any wages, but you are putting it into a bag of holes because you are not minding me. I'm asking you to give me this and you are not minding me. So you too, you have some issues. Wow. wow. Go to verse 9. You look for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. I blew it like this, like that, and then everything went away. Why? See a lot of holes. Because of my house, that is waste. And you ran every man onto his own house. My house is lying waste, and you have houses. No, it's not supposed to be like that. It says, bring me wood. Go to the mountains and bring me wood for my house to be built. Hallelujah. You can read on and on and on. When they change their mind, a lot of things change for them. So God makes a demand. He does. He does. He does. Look at Ezra chapter 1 from verse 1. Ezra 1 from verse 1. Offerings demanded by God. As we've been talking, and you realize that God is talking to you. This one. Give me your eyes. Give me your best. Hey, you are wondering whether it's the devil who is talking to you. It's not the devil, it's God who is talking to you. He's hearkening to my voice. Listen to my voice. He's commanding you. He's demanding something from you. And I'll show you why God does that. Why does God demand from us? I'll answer it for you soon. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord may by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus yet Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me, or he has instructed me, or he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. God was making demands on Cyrus. Build me a house. Like God is making demands on us. Next verse. Who is there among you of all his people? His God with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. It is this God that is instructing us to build for him. I don't know if you are seeing it. God makes a demand. He makes a demand. He makes a demand. He has charged me to build him a house. Look at Genesis chapter 22, from verse 1. A classic example is the, the story concerning Abraham. And it's found in Genesis chapter 22, from verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Like I said, there's always a place where God wants you to sacrifice. There's always a place at a particular time that he wants you to give your seed to. 
Can you imagine? He says, take your only son. Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. God knew how close Isaac was to his father. And he knew how much Abraham loved Isaac. He says, I want that one. Bring that to your son. I like that one. I want to eat your son. Hey, God was making a very huge demand on Abraham. And Abraham responded. Look at verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and started his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claimed the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. He saw the place that God wanted him to go afar off. And he went to go and sacrifice his son without asking any questions. Hey, God tells you what he wants. This one, he tells you what I want. This is what I want. I want you to give me $5,000. <laughs> it's not a free will offering. It's different. He'll talk to you. You'll be surprised. That, hey, he will demand. Yes, he will demand from you. He will make a demand from you. Sometimes when we talk like this, people say that, oh, this one, these things, it's not in the Bible. I've just showed you so many scriptures along that line. He makes a demand. There are plenty. I can talk about David's own in 1 Chronicles 29. God made a demand on David. Build me a house. And he initially told him to build. David wanted to build. Then he told him, no, I don't want you to build it. Make preparation for it because your hand, your hand is sword with blood. Let your son build it. Your son is going to build for me. But make provisions for him. So David made provisions. David said, I have of my own wealth given. First Chronicles 29. Let's read from verse 2. Now I prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold. And the silver for things of silver. You know, there were things that were to be made of gold, which needed gold to, for it. You, didn't, you can't use brass for it. It's gold for gold. So he says, I have prepared with all my mind for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, only stones and stones to be set, glistering stones and diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Verse 3. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own power, my own proper good, rather, of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Next verse. Then it says, Even 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of offer, 7,000 talents of refined silver, to overlay the walls of the house, the houses withal. The gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Who is willing to give? Wow. wow. So God makes demands. God told Abraham, I want your son. Your only son. Your only son, Isaac. Whom thou lovest. Yes, whom thou lovest. So the question is, why does God make such demands? Why does he do that? For what purpose? I mean, why should I... Why, why is it that God is talking to me like this? I think it's a legitimate question to ask, right? Why does God make such demands? The reason is that he makes such demands to add color to your life. To add color to your life. He makes those demands so that he can promote you. Can you imagine? He makes a demand so that he can promote you. Look at Genesis chapter 22 once again. Let's read for verse 9 now. Genesis 22. Back to Abraham's story. Abraham and Isaac's story. Remember, God made a demand for Isaac, right? Yeah. Okay. Why did God make that demand for Isaac? We'll see it in here. 
He says, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. And bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. So he was going to do it. Next verse. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He had to call him out of rush with speed, with urgency because Abraham was killing the boy. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Verse 12. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know, it is now that I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. God is checking you to see what you are ready for. Are you ready for the next level? Are you ready for higher things? Are you ready to trade what you have for something higher? You see, because what is it that you can't give to God? What is too expensive? What is it that when you consider it's like this one day, ah, I can't give it to God. No, 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 this one, if I give it to God, something will happen to me. I'll die. What is so close to you that you can't release it to God? So God is checking. The Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Yeah. They are poor in spirit. They have things around them. That all belongs to God. Whenever God lays a demand on it, they are ready to release it. They are ready to release it. He says, now I know. For I now, for now I know that thou fearest God. Didn't he know that he feared God from chapter 12 when he called him? He called him from chapter 11 even. From chapter 11 all the way through chapter 12. All the way through 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 22. When he had received Isaac from Sarah's dead womb. And has expressed faith and all of that. This was for another devil. This was to get to another level. So the Bible said God tested him. God wanted to see whether he would be able to release what he loved most to him. He says, now I know that thou fearest God. Seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. Look at verse, verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him after a burnt offering to the, in the stead of his son. You know Abraham actually offered, in Abraham's heart, he offered Isaac. And God received it as such. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's, let me show it to you briefly and then we'll come back. Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Have you seen it? He didn't say he was trying to offer up Isaac. He says he offered up Isaac. And he, he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Next verse. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Didn't make any sense why he would offer that one. Because God has said that in Isaac shall your seed be called. In other words, your seed will come out of Isaac. So how come he's going to be sacrificed? Why did Abraham do that? Next verse. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. Then he says, from whence also he received him in a figure. He received him from the dead. He says, it's a type. Let's read the Amplified of this verse. I'm sure it will help you. Maybe you don't understand the King James. For he reasoned that God was able to raise him up from, the, from among the dead. Indeed, in the sense that Isaac was figuratively dead, potentially sacrificed, he did actually receive him back from the dead. Because he killed him in his heart when he heard the instruction. As soon as he heard the instruction, God saying that, give me this. He didn't argue with God at all. There's no argument. He gave Isaac up and he was ready to do all the physical things he needed to do. The Bible says he received him from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
What is too precious for you? What is so close to your heart that you can't release it? What have you saved up for so much? You've been expecting like this one, dear. God can talk to you about it. He can talk to you about it. He can mention that. Give me this one. Give me your Isaac. Give me your Isaac. Now, go back to Genesis. Genesis 22. We're reading verse 13. Now, go to verse 14. He says, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Verse 15. Now, this is what I want you to see. Okay? This is, this is it. Why does God make the demand? So that he what? So that he will promote you. So that he will take you to the next level. So that he can get you to become bigger than you were before. Do you see? Because what made you big was whatever you had. Whatever you have is what makes you big. And he requests for that one so that you can go for a bigger thing. So that he can give you something bigger. So he says, and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. He called for him the first time to not kill the boy, right? Yeah. Right then, then, just after he had made the sacrifice of the bull, which was a representation of his son, okay? The angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, verse 16, and said, by myself have I sworn, Say the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, because you have done this thing, and has not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying I will multiply thy seed, as the stars of the heaven, and as the sun which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. In, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Can you imagine? This would have never come. Now, he had been blessed by God earlier. Remember, in Genesis chapter 12, he had been blessed by God. God had blessed him in Genesis chapter 18. I mean, so many blessings. Every time you see him going to another level, a higher level, God was pushing him to another level altogether. He said, because you have done this thing, in bless- listen, you shall never be poor in your life because of what you have done. That's what he told him. So there are seeds that God demands for that you give to him that he will tell you that because of this thing that you have done, I tell you, I tell you, <laughs> Bishop Oedipo shared a story concerning his own life. How they were planning on having um, branches. They were planning on expanding the church. God was leading him along that line. And they needed money. Whenever, there's, whenever we say we are starting branches, know that there's a need for money. There's a need to do more. We don't start branches because there's money piled up that are going to be given to rent and all of that. No. Whenever you hear that, know that there's something going on. So, God told him that he needs for more churches to be planted. And he knew that it was time to sow. God told him that it is time to sow. And God pointed to his white car, the only white car that he had, and told him that, I want this white car. And as soon as he said, as soon as he heard it, he told his wife, you must always tell your wife. (laughs) He told his wife that this is what God is saying. When he told the wife, the wife said, oh, praise the Lord. It can go, whatever God wants. And they drove that car to the church they went to sell it, use the money for something, the things of God. He says when he was in a taxi going back home, God spoke to him what he said to Abraham here. That because of this thing that you have done, even if you want to be poor, you will never be poor. <laughs> even if you want to be poor, you will never be poor. Because I will bless you. I will make you exceedingly rich. Brother, sister, there are some things that God will demand from you. Not because he wants like, it's like he's trying to reduce you. He's not trying to reduce you. He's trying to promote you. It's because you have done this thing. Because you have not withheld your only son from me. 
Hallelujah. Look at Genesis chapter 24 verse 1. Let's see how Abraham ended in his life. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. At this level, Abraham was so blessed that they could not quantify his wealth. He was blessed in all things. He was old. This is your glorious destiny. This is how God has designed for your life to be. To be old and well stricken in age and blessed in all things. That is my story and that is your story as well. Because as far as we are concerned, whatever God lays a demand on, we are ready to release it. We are ready to release it. We are ready to release it. Yeah. It's time for your promotion. It is time for your promotion. It's your time to be... You see, when you connect your business to the house of God like that, you will never... It's not possible. The blessings of God will always rest upon it. I mean, whatever you touch just works. That's how it works. That's how it works. So I don't know what God is talking to you about. I don't know what God is talking to you about. You must be ready. Hallelujah. Whatever you give to God, God multiplies it and returns it back to you. Amazingly. He, he tells you to give to him because he wants to promote you. And after you have given to him, he multiplies whatever you gave and returns it back to you in various forms and in various ways. Look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. He said, everyone that has forsaken houses or brethren or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Can you imagine? These are people who, he says, they are forsaken. When we say he's, he's forsaken, what he means is that he's given it over to God. He's committed it to God. Like you find in Acts chapter 2, where the disciples, the disciples sold their lands, and sold their houses, and all of that. They left all and gave it to the Lord. He says, I'll multiply you. They knew. That's why they were doing what they did. Look at Mark. Mark chapter 10. So he multiplies it back to you. Whatever you give to him, he multiplies it back to you an hundredfold. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. And Jesus answered and said, Really, I say unto you, there is no man that has left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake. Then he says, and for the gospels. Next verse, verse 30. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, not tomorrow. Not in the future. Now in this time, houses. A house for houses. And brethren and sisters and mothers and children. And lands with persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. Because your offering, your seed, has something to do with your eternal life. I shared that with you the last time. It does something for you in the, in the life to come. Hallelujah. So, God is not making demands. He's not just moving around making demands. No, he's making the demand because he wants you to be promoted. It's time for a, for a promotion. It's time for a promotion. So that is why he says that whoever, he says, come with joy. I mean, come with precious seed. Let me show it to you. Psalm 126 verse 5. Look at Psalm 126 verse 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Have you seen it? Because whatever it is that God is demanding from you, you realize that, hey, do you think Abraham was doing what he was? He was sacrificing his son with smiles. No, he wasn't. It was a pay. Ah, look at how God qualified it. He says, your son, your only son, whom thou lovest. And you can't part with such things with joy. I mean, as you are doing it, I'm like, man, God, I tell you, but what, whatever you have said, I believe it. And that's it, so it. It says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. How? Next verse. Look at how he does. It says, he that goeth forth and weepeth 
bringing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. He shall doubtless come again with what? With rejoicing. Bringing his sheaves with him. So as you are giving, the day you are giving, you can shed tears. But as you are shedding the tears, start rejoicing. Because you know that from this day forward, my life has changed. There's another level that I've been, got, I've been brought into altogether. Listen, you must decide to break some financial thresholds in your life. Sometimes you realize that you've never had a thousand dollars before in your life. There's a problem. There's a big problem. You should be able to break that financial threshold by sowing a seed along that line. Yeah. You sow a seed along that line. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've done that over the years. I, sometimes I want to get beyond a certain figure. And I'll give that figure. And from that time, I can receive along that figure. It's called giving and receiving. Sowing and reaping. Do you see? So, God is asking you to give. He's demanding. He's demanding that offering. Making some demands from you. Because he wants to bless you. He wants your promotion. It's time for your promotion. It's time to rejoice. He says, give it willingly. I'll show you on Sunday how to give. He says, give, a, give cheerfully. We talk about giving cheerfully. How to give willingly, out of your heart, cheerfully. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, you must respond to God's demands from you with excitement. Okay? Having a proper estimation of who he is. Is he worth your investment? Is God worth your investment? Do you believe that he's promoting you? Do you believe that he's making this demand from you because he wants to promote you? Or you think that he's trying to take you for a run? What is your estimation of God? What do you think he is? Is he worth it? Is he worth that investment? Is he worth your money? Is he worth that car? Is he worth that land? Is he worth that house that you own? Is he worth it? That is a question you must ask yourself. Is he worth it? If he's worth it, then give him all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me show you some more in the scriptures. Look at Matthew chapter 26. Let's read from verse 6. Pastor J.D. was reading this in the book of John, the reference in the book of John, but I want to show it to you in Matthew. Matthew chapter 26 from verse 6. It says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious oil. Or was this one you read? Was this one you read? Mark. You read Matthew. I'm reading Matthew too as well. So we are in the, we are in the spirit. There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. As Jesus was eating, the woman came. You know who, which woman it was? This was Lazarus' sister, Mary. Mary came and poured that alabaster, broke it and poured that ointment of oil on his head as he sat at meat. So he poured it, he did, he poured it on his whole body, he poured it on his head, on his feet. And wiped his feet with his hair, if you remember. He poured it on him and anointed his whole body. Next verse. But when his disciples saw it, you see, not somebody else, his disciples. People in the church. When his disciples saw it, they had indignation. Do you understand indignation? They were angry to the zenith. They were so angry, saying, to what purpose is this waste? They felt that it was a waste. Why are you selling your house to give to God? Why are you selling your land to give to God? 
Where will you sleep? What is the meaning of this waste? You could have done it in a better way. Why are you doing what you're doing? They felt it was a waste. And you know, if you read in the book of John, we are told who exactly started that particular uh, 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 conversation. Brad, Brad, Judas Iscariot. Yeah, because he didn't have much respect for the Father, for, the, for Jesus Christ. His estimation of Jesus was not much. He didn't have much estimation of him. So he started a conversation. Maybe you, maybe you should look at it. John chapter 12. Let's read from verse 2. There they made him a supper, and Martha said, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the, at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Verse 4. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? He knew the price. He knew the price. He was into customized products. So he knew that this is worth a year's wage. Why was it not sold and given to the poor? What is this waste? This could have been very good to the poor. He thought that the giving to the poor was better than giving to the Lord. Problem was that he didn't see Jesus as Lord. Jesus said, have I not chosen you and one of you is a devil? He was there. He was there when people were coming to come and repent of their sins. Coming to come and repent of their stealing habit. And he was there, stealing the money from the purse. Look at the next verse. You see it from there. It says, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. He didn't have much estimation of Jesus. He didn't think much about him. When he was betraying him, he felt that, oh, Jesus has vanished on several occasions because prior to his betraying Jesus, Jesus had been, uh, been in that kind of situation where he was going to be pushed off a cliff, was going to be stoned. In John chapter 10, you see one there, John 10, 30 down. When he said, I am a father, one, they took stones to stone him, but he vanished amongst them. There was another one when he came back from the desert and then read the book of Isaiah and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. After saying that and saying that this day is this thing fulfilled in your ears, they got angry with them and started, they pushed him to the cliff to push him down. Do you see? But in those two cases, he swept. He was able to go through without any problem. So he felt that a similar thing will happen. Oh, we know this man, we know him. He, our man, he will vanish. But when he saw that it was not happening, then he became depressed. You see, he didn't have much estimation of, of his Lord. You see, you can be in the house of God and not consider God much. You don't think he's worth, he's worth this particular thing. No, this is too good. This is too good for God. This is too much for God. Why should you give God a hundred million dollars? It's too much. We could have used to build a stadium and made more money or build a casino and made more money or build something else. Everybody always thinks. You see, that's what, that's what the world thinks. That's worldliness. You know, when they, do, when, when they do something, when they are building a stadium or they are building a place for all kinds of things, everybody is excited about it. But when they say we are doing something for the Lord, everybody gets offended. You know what I'm talking about? Do you see? Is he worth it? Is the Lord worth it? Is it a waste? He says, to what meaneth this waste? Brother, it is not a waste. Go back to Matthew chapter 26. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? Why this waste? Is it a waste? Is God not worth it? God is worth it. God is worth my money. God is worth my best. 
what is too much for God? What is too good for God? How come it is too good for God, but it's good for you? How come it is too good for God, but it's good for that lady? That's in your life. You don't think twice when you're doing certain things for her. How come it's too good for God, but it's good for your parents? It's not supposed to be like that. Nothing should be too good for God. God should be your highest. He should be higher than anybody in your life. What is your estimation of God? And I want to show you some few people who gave, you know, having a proper estimation of God. And this is the first person I want to show you. This lady who gave to the Lord. Look at the next verse. Verse, verse 9 now. Matthew 26, verse 9. For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. The lady gave a whole year's wage. Even more than a year's wage. Okay? Next verse. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she has wrought a good work upon me. She has done a good thing upon me. What she's doing is good for me. Is it good for God? If it's good for God, then do it. If you think it's good for God, then do it as much as you can. Look at the next verse. For you have the poor always with you, but me, you have not always. You don't always have me. For in that she has poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman has done, be told for a memorial of her. And we are talking about it right now, isn't it? Yeah. He says, wherever the gospel is preached, this will be mentioned. Because the gospel will be preached that people should sponsor it. So we will refer to her. We will refer to her. Why did this woman do this? Do you know that this woman had her brother raised from the dead? Do you know yeah. that her brother Lazarus died and was in the grace for four days and Jesus came to raise him from the dead? The lady understood. She had a proper appreciation, proper understanding of who Jesus was. She appreciated who, he, who she was. She knew that Jesus is worth, is worth more than this. Has your grandfather brought somebody to life before? I mean, there are things that nobody can do. You see, there, there are things that nobody, only God can do certain things. Who wakes you up in the morning? Don't say that waking up is normal. It's not normal, brother, because people go and sleep and don't wake up. Young people, old people, middle-aged, whatever, they all, some people go to bed and they, are not, they don't come back. Do you think he has done something for you? Do you think God, God is special in your life? There are things that God does in your life that nobody, your wife can do it, your children can do it, nobody can do it. How can you say thank you to such a person? What is too big to say thank you to someone who has saved your life from going to hell? Do you know the way to hell? Do you know the way to heaven? How, can, how, how did he take us from hell and brought us to heaven? How can, how can you say thank you to such a person? What is too much to say thank you to such a person? What is too much? He does things that nobody else can do. What is, what is too much to say thank you to the one who made sure that that cancer died in your body? Can you, what, can you, what can you do to say thank you? How can you appreciate it? You must have a proper estimation of God in your mind. What is too much? Is it too much? Is it too much for someone who has brought my brother to, back to life? They didn't understand. The others didn't understand. But she knew the worth, the value that Jesus had in her sight. She didn't think Jesus was just someone walking on the streets. Because those walking on the streets couldn't do what he did for her. 
So she had a proper understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Abraham knew who God was. <laughs> that is why he gave his only son. He knew. He had a proper estimation, a proper understanding of who God was. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17. We read it some few minutes ago. I want to read it again to you. Hebrews 11 verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. God has said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. If God says that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, then no matter what happens to Isaac, it is through Isaac that my seed shall be called. So whether he dies or does not die makes no difference. My seed shall come out of him. Abraham had an estimation of God. He knew that God is a God that calls those things that be not as though they were. He knew that God caused life out of death. So the next verse shows us. Look at the next verse. Then his accounting, he reasoned, he accounted that God was able to raise him up. Even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Let's read the Amplified. For he reasoned that God was able. Do you see, he had the proper estimation of God. Oh, God, it's not a problem. That is why he didn't tell his wife. There's no record of him telling his wife because he knew he was going to return with the boy. And he was going to return with the boy back from the dead. He had never seen some being done before. But he knew that God was able to do it. He knew that God was able to do it. So he didn't care what was going to happen. He had a proper estimation of God. He knew that God who raises people from the dead. He raises from the dead. So whatever I sacrifice to him is not dead. It's just a seed. Remember, it's called seed. It's not called throwing it away. It's seed. If you plant mango into the ground... You, are, you know that you're expecting mango to come out. Why? Because it is God who said that what you put in the ground, you must have. So whatever seed you are given to, whatever seed you are sowing, is not actually lost. You know. So what is your estimation of God? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like if you understand that it's a seed that you're sowing, it's not, you are not departing from your money. If you understand the kind of God you are giving to, who it is that you are giving to, it's just like knowing which company you are investing with. If you know a company that is tried and tested over the years, even if you invest a hundred million dollars, you know, you are confident, you don't expect the company to collapse tomorrow. You don't expect it to collapse five years from now. You know that so long as this money has entered here, I'm done. I'm going to be receiving a certain percentage every month. God has a track record. God, you see, so God told the children of Israel his track record. He showed them what he had done. So that they will be confident to invest in him without any, without thinking twice. Know who I am. Like, who, know who it is that you are talking, we are talking about. We didn't say giving to somebody. We said giving to God. We didn't say giving to your man of God or giving to the poor or giving to your parents. All those things have reasons. They are there. But this, this is the highest of them. We are giving to God. Who is God? Who is God for you? Who is God for you? What do you think about him? What do you think about him? Let me show you what he said to the children of Israel. God told Israel to remember who he was and give accordingly. If you don't remember who God is, you may not give accordingly. Yeah. You may not understand. You may not appreciate. You give him chicken change yeah. because you, you are afraid of the financial institution you are putting your money in. You are afraid that maybe God will not meet his word. You know, maybe, maybe it won't happen. Huh? It, it may not happen. What if I give all, my, I give my all, and I don't see it? You're already in doubt. 
And that is your estimation of who God is to you. You feel that he's not good enough at his word. Echo Bank is better. Barclays is better. Men's gold is even better. Yes, you feel that men's gold is better. It's a better place to give, to put your, your 30,000 so that you can reap over a period. You can get your 10% every month. Who is better? God or men's gold? God or Echo Bank? Anything can happen to any of these companies. We are not saying it should collapse. Some of us have people employed in there. They are being paid. It's powerful. Is MTN better than God? You know, people rush for shares when these companies are, are floating, you know, their shares, their IPOs. They go there, go and buy. Some even buy before it comes. It's not a small thing because they know that this is trustworthy. Is God trustworthy for you? Can he do it? Is he able? Is God able? Does he keep to his word? Then whatever he makes a demand on, you release it without talking. That's why Abraham released it without thinking twice. He released Isaac without thinking twice. He didn't have much to think about because he knew who he was dealing with. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8 from verse 1. He says, And all the commandments which I commanded this day shall you observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Next verse. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread only, but by everywhere that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. He's showing Israel like, do you remember at this point, Israel had crossed, they, had, they were entering the, the land of Canaan. Then he's telling them, do you remember all the things that I did with you in the wilderness? That is my track record. Look at what I've done. I gave you manna that your father and your mother didn't know. They didn't know about that food. You don't have to plant anything for it. Early in the morning, you go, it has rained, it's there. That's my track record. I cover you with, the, with cloud in the, in the afternoon and bring light to you in the evening. Let, let's read, you see more. Verse 4. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. He says, your clothes did not become old. This is me. This is the God who is talking to you this evening. He says, I am the one who was with you in the, in the wilderness. And the clothes you came out of Egypt with were the same clothes which you wore throughout for 40 years. If someone came out of Egypt at, at age 4, Okay, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. At age 40, 44, he still wore the same clothes. And the clothes were not small. The clothes grew with him. The clothes were not old. The clothes were, com- were new. He says, thou shalt also consider in that. Go, go back, go back to verse 4. Who can do that? Can your father do that? He says, thy raiment was not old upon thee. Neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. You were walking in the desert with a small shoe. You came at, with a four-year-old shoe. But as the years went by, that shoe grew with you as you went. Your foot did not swell. Even in the walking, in the desert. Can you imagine walking in the desert and your foot is not swelling? You are not in pain. They were walking on nice whatever. I mean, it was not a small thing. God gave them a complete atmosphere for them to walk in. In the desert. 
He says, remember. This is the same God we are coming to give to. Next verse. Do you think he can't take care of you? No, he can take care of you. God is my best bet in the world. I don't, I don't, I don't have any other. Is he alive? Is Jesus alive? He's alive. If he's alive, then he, t- he takes care of me. I'm a joint heir together with Christ. The silver and the gold are mine because they belong to him. I'll never be poor in my life. So the, he, he's, he's worth so much to me. How can I say thank you to him? I mean, what is too much to say thank you to God for his blessings? If there was a meter around your nose, you'd be surprised. Look at what PDS and ECG are doing. Eben. Even that one is difficult to pay. How much more air? Hey. He says, Thou shalt also consider in thy heart that as a man chasteneth a son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Next verse. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and deaths that spring out of the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley. This is what God does. Says, I'm bringing you to a good land. A land of wheat and barley, and vines, and fig trees, and pomegranates. A land of oil, and olive, and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he has given thee. Beware that thou forget not thy God. Some people have forgotten who God is. That's why I'm asking you, how worthy is he? In your mind, in your estimation. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in, in not keeping his commandments and, and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein. Continue. And when thy heads and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. He says, when you, have, you are settled, now everything seems to be working. Now you feel that your trust, your hope is in some financial vehicles. Monetization of future earnings. You believe in such words. <laughs> you don't believe in the fact that it is God who supplies and provides. The blessings of the Lord, remember, make it rich and ask no sorrow. You can't get God's blessings, I tell you. Please don't forget. Don't forget the one who led you through great, that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water. Who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flints? Verse 16, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. Verse 17, and thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand has gotten me this wealth. Don't don't even try. Don't try. try. Next verse 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, so that he may establish his covenant which is swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. He's telling you that the money that you have is because of his covenant. Whatever good thing you have is because of establishing his house. So David said, out of what you have given to us, we are giving to you. Go back to First Chronicles chapter 29. I don't know if you are following me. 
First Chronicles 29, verse 10. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee. Do you believe this? It says, both riches and honor come of thee, O Lord. And thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. So this, this is David's estimation of God. Though. That's why he was given to God lavishly. Lavishly. Next verse. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Verse 14. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee. And of thine own have we given thee. Do you believe that all that you have belong to God? It says, of thine own have we given to you. He gives the power. He gives the riches. He gives the wealth. Do you believe it? If you believe it, whatever he asks for will not be it. You will not have a tassel. No, I don't think it's this one. <laughs> I think it's this one. The Bible says, Abel gave a more excellent offering. Hebrews 11 from verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. You see, it's not that Cain didn't bring anything. Cain brought something. But he didn't bring something that was as valuable as God. What God pointed. You know God made a demand on them. What was the demand? You shall offer blood. But Cain brought the fruits of the earth. The best of the fruits of the earth. He didn't bring rotten tomatoes and rotten carrots and rotten pepper. No, he brought the best. He brought the best. But that was not what God was demanding. God was demanding a slain lamb. But because he didn't think God was much, he brought him what he wanted. This is good for you. And God said, no, I don't like it. So, by faith, Abel offered a, to, unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me show you. Let me read it in the Easy English version for you. It's nice. I'm sure you enjoy it. He says, Abel believed God. Abel what? Believed God. So he offered a better sacrifice to God than Cain offered. Why did he offer a better sacrifice to God than Cain offered? Because he believed God. What did he believe God for? He believed that what God was demanding was what he needed. And what, was, what he was worth. He believed God. And because of what he did, he says, even though he's dead, his voice still speaks to God. And what he did is an action that all of us learn from. When God says, I want this, brother, give it to him. Give it to him. Don't, don't argue. Abel believed God, so he offered a better sacrifice to God than Cain offered. And because of that, God said that Abel was a good man. God said that he was happy with Abel's gifts. Abel is dead, but because he believed God, we can still learn from his example. So it is like Abel, so it is like Abel is speaking to us still. He believed God. He believed God. Do you believe that God is able to do all things? 
that God is higher than any king in the earth. Why would you bring God something that is not worthy? I mean, you can't, you can't give anything to your president, the president of the country. Even a, a, an assemblyman, people, people are careful what they give to him. Yeah, even chiefs. People are careful what they give to chiefs. You can't just go and give a chief, uh, you are giving him a bottle of schnapp and half has been drunk. It's half is gone and it's left with half. Yeah, that's what, that's, what, that's what you are doing to God. What you have used. You see, and it's something God, you see, God, you see, you see, I've been showing you Old Testament scriptures, a lot of Old Testament scriptures. So you may think that, oh, this is not a New Testament concept. It is. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 4, if you read in Acts chapter 2, you will see the disciples giving. People were selling their houses, selling their lands, and bringing the money to the apostles. If we read in Acts chapter 4, let me show it to you. From verse 33. Acts 4, from verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the, of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. Like they, so, they felt that God was worth their house. So they sold the house and brought the, their money to the Lord. Sold their lands and brought the prices of the things that were sold. And they laid them, that verse 35, look at verse 35. And laid them down at the apostles' feet. In other words, you know when, when we say something is under your feet, it means you have dominion. The word feet there is footstool. It means you have control over that thing. It was saying that God should have control over their money. God should have control over their wealth. As far as God is concerned, God is higher than their money. God is higher than whatever they own. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had, he had need. Next verse. And Joseph, or Joseph, who by the apostles was sending Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, the Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, Having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, why is his own mentioned? His own is mentioned because it's the word Barnabas is son of consolation or son of comfort. You know, all the monies that were coming in were being used to sort things, people out, other people out in their congregation. But this, this amount, this money that came from Barnabas was so much that it allowed the apostles to be able to do more than they were doing before. So because of what they did, it brought them comfort. Do you understand? So they called him the son of comfort. Or the son of consolation. The son of exhaltation. They were exhorted. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, giving refreshes your spirit. Yeah. If you read concerning Jacob, the Bible says that when Joseph brought the gold and all of those things to come and pick his father Jacob from, from the land of Canaan into, into Egypt, when he saw the gifts, his heart, his spirit was refreshed. So giving refreshes the spirit of the one whom you give to. Do you see? So they, what his giving refreshed them. Hallelujah. Now, the next verse is chapter 5, verse 1. Look at the next verse. Then it says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. They had a possession. Everybody was doing it. They saw it being done. People sold their possession and brought the prices. The Bible says they brought the price. Whatever they sold, they brought the prices to God. Because they felt that God was worth it. But these two people sold their possession. Next verse. And kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it or having knowledge of it. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Look at the next verse. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? 
and to keep back part of the price of the land. Why it to remain? Was it not thine own? Was it not yours? It's yours. You don't need to do anything. It's yours. And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou this, conceived this thing in thine heart that thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God? You've not lied unto men, but unto God. He says, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. He called the Holy Ghost God. You see, because the people were selling. They had an estimation of the Holy Ghost. They have seen the move of the Spirit. And they were ready to sponsor it. They were ready to do anything. And they were selling their lands and doing all kinds of things. Because of their value, the estimation of who, who, who the Holy Spirit was. And they were giving in, accord, in accordance to that. The estimation. And Barnabas, uh, sorry, Ananias was seeing it. His, his, his wife, Sapphira, was seeing it. So they decided to also do some. But they didn't have a good estimation of who it was that they were giving to. So when they sold the land and they saw the money... He saw it was $100 million. It's too much. Hey, $100 million is too much. It's too much. Let's keep a part of it. And bring, let's keep $50 million and bring $50 million. And the wife said, it's true. Let's keep $50 million. This is too much. God will understand. This is too high. This money is too much for God. It's too much for God. So let's keep some and bring some. Peter said, when it was not sold, it was yours. Even when it was sold, it was still yours. Why have you decided in your heart that God is worth lower than what you sold? Other people are bringing all that they sold. Why is it that you are bringing what you have sold as though you are bringing half of what you have sold as though it is all that you sold? Do you understand? You have divided it and you are bringing... It is your money. If you don't want to... Just let us know that I sold it, but I'm bringing half of it. There's nothing wrong. But why are you saying that? Why Why are you devaluing God? Why are you lying about what you sold? Can you imagine? The Bible says right then, then he fell at Peter's feet and died. His wife came in three hours later and also came to die because she said, yes, we sold it for this much. And she also died because they didn't have a proper estimation of God. They felt God was, no, it's too much. This money is too much. It's too much. God, maybe God should reduce. It's too, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. Hey, it's a lot of money. People are doing, these people, they are doing well. Are they bringing all this money? To, no, it's too much. This one there is too much. They wanted to beat Ananias, uh, Barnabas's record. But when they sold it and they saw the money, they were like, no, this one is too much. Let's reduce it. And let's say that what we sold is what we have brought. That was where the problem was. How, what, what is your estimation of God? Is it a waste on him? I don't think it's a waste on him. And I know you don't think the same. See, I'm a child of God. God. And I'll give God my best. I have a proper estimate of who God is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm a giver. giver. I come bearing precious seed. And I'll sow that seed to the glory of God. So on Sunday morning, when you're coming, come rejoicing. I'll show you on Sunday what we should do. Come rejoicing. He says he loves a cheerful giver whose heart is in his giving. Come and give willingly. I'll show you some scriptures in 1 Corinthians 29. You'll be surprised at how they give to God. We'll do the same on Sunday to the glory of God. Sunday service will be very wonderful. It'll be very exciting. And I know that you're going to be blessed. Hallelujah. I don't know if you've learned anything. Have you learned anything today? Beautiful. You see, there's so much to say concerning giving to God. There are plenty of scriptures I've left out. So many things to say. Give to God. Give your best to God. He's worth it. He's the best investment you can ever have. 
if there's anything like that. He's the best investment that you can ever have. He's the best person you can give to. Expecting and knowing his track record. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.